We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Alan Sislowski, and this is the Rotowire Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. On this episode, my guest Jordan McNamara of the Dynasty Think Tank Podcast and Analytics of Dynasty joins me to explore best ways to make trades in your dynasty leagues, startup drafts, and rookie drafts. The do's, the don'ts. It's one of my favorite episodes we've recorded this year. So sit back, enjoy, listen to all of these trading tactics, strategies, and try to employ them in your own league. The Rotowire Dynasty podcast is brought to you by Circa Las Vegas. A lot of trading going on in your dynasty leagues. For me, you know, I'm, I'm about 12 rookie drafts in in the dynasty season. I've done another like four or five startups this offseason, Jordan McNamara. And it, it seems like in the startups, nobody wants to trade. But in the rookie drafts, I mean, picks are, are flying. You have to duck. Uh, are you having the same experience in your leagues or is it a little different in FFPC? Um, I'm having a lot of uh, trading in my rookie drafts. I would say this year... Uh, in particular, if I measured on a, you know, per picks made how many trades that I made, it's probably the highest ratio, like by far. Um, that's a bit of a concerted effort for me, but I have noticed sort of, you know, outside of me, right. Deals that I didn't make right in my rookie dress. I do think they're up in terms of volume as well. Uh, so like, I think that's, you know, when there's more trading, when there's more decisions, that's a great opportunity to, to really uh, run up an edge on your on your opponent, right? You make a smarter decision, uh, and at the same time, they're making not smart decisions. And you, like, anytime you can force your opponents into making more decisions, I think you're in a better spot. Meaning, make them make the pick. Well, whenever you're making a decision, whether it's their picking or whether it's you know, like, it's the same reason why I like bigger rosters, right? Like, I would rather make 35 decisions against someone versus 20. Right. I would rather I would rather make, you know, 10, 12 trades than to make one. Right. Because I think incrementally over time, you know, a two or three, five percent advantage on those trades, those really add up. Right. And that's yeah. kind of the deals that I'm doing. I'm trying to do it on the margins. I'm not typically unless I'm trading for an elite quarterback. I'm not making a ton of like, you know, I'm, I'm hunting out you know, uh, an elite running back or something like that. I don't make a ton of those trades, but you know, I think in rookie drafts, especially, right, if you're just sort of willing to, to, to bet within some profiles and, 
and do some smart things. I mean, you know, I just would slide down a couple of spots and pick up a, a running back that I liked. You know, Antonio Gibson, that was doable for Clyde Edwards Alaire. I'm not even a huge fan, but I'll I'll take a pedigree that, you know, if it's a slide down a few picks in the third round of a rookie draft, right? That's that's easy stuff to do. It's kind of low hanging fruit. So I, I love when there's a lot of action in rookie drafts. Yeah, I mean, I love it too. It's just that, and again, I've referenced startup drafts. Uh, there seems like people are on to everyone now. Like everyone knows the value of the picks and and not to give your 24 first to move up from round three to two. And it just, it, which is yeah. good, by the way. The, the you know, dynasty community as a whole, and people still make stupid mistakes. And I'm in a startup now where there's some crazy stuff going on. But uh, the other thing you had said was that uh, the larger rosters, I like that too, because you have to make less decisions. You know, like I'm not deciding for my flex two or flex three, uh, Mikol Hardman versus Donovan People Jones. Like those guys are playing. I don't care if you get zeros. Right. Like you know, like just the fact that they can catch a sixty-yard touchdown. Like push them in your lineup. So uh, that yeah. is again what I like about like the four flexes. And sometimes it gets out of control. Uh, but we're gonna do today, Jordan, on the Roadwire Dynasty podcast, which by the way is sponsored by Circa Las Vegas, and we're gonna talk about them a little bit later. Uh, is give people some do's and don'ts on trades because as trading increases, we're all prone to experienced players and newer players to make mistakes. And I don't just mean, you know, some of the things that you've talked about a lot on this podcast, on your own podcast, the Dynasty Think Tank, which, by the way, everyone should go subscribe to. Uh, it's a brand new podcast with Jordan McNamara and Chad Parsons. They just started on their own feed, Dynasty Think Tank. Go subscribe to that if you love Dynasty Talk. But also, just etiquette, because I, I still see so many just like faux pas that just turn people off. And I'm so numb to it at this point. It doesn't bother me, but do you experience the same thing? Like there's like a list of things that you would just never do when approaching a person in forget real life, just even in mm -hmm. a trade room. Yeah. I mean, don't, you don't want to anger the person you're trading with, right? That's, that's usually a bad, usually <laughs> a bad starter. Don't insult them. Um, you know, but it's funny because I think there's different ways to go about it. Right? One of the one of the things that I think I've had a lot of success with is, and some people don't like it, but I've had a lot of success with it. It's just if you don't know what the person wants, you know, I build rosters differently than I think the way you know the average dynasty GM probably does. And so, what's interesting to me isn't interesting to them, and what is interesting to them. I don't give an example. Give an example so, where just like where you you know for a fact because of your experience, like that you build something or something that's interesting to you that the average dynasty player is just not even caring about. Um, I'm trying to for me, I'm trying to run up the score at running back, right? I'm really trying to have a lot of volume at running back. And you look at and so my rosters, well, when you look at them, right, when you look at someone, you know, I, there's a joke that goes around that you can tell the AOD, the analytics of dynasty subscriber in, in the league because they have more running backs than wide receivers and they have elite quarterbacks, right? That's, and by the way, the analytics of dynasty is Jordan's proprietary site. Go check that out. That's what, so when he referenced AOD, for those that are new to the podcast, he's talking about analytics of dynasty. And by the way, everything's linked in the video description below. Sure. Uh, yeah. And so, and, and like in the dynasty team building guide, I talk a lot about, about that as well. Um, so my teams will look different. So when I am looking at a team, right, sometimes I have a lot of trouble making trades in the summer because the players that I'm rostering 
tend not to be that interesting in the summer. They tend to be very interesting in October, November, but not necessarily in the summer, uh, backup running backs and the like. So one of the things that I sort of will not value as much as depth wide receiver, which I think a lot of dynasty uh, GMs really appreciate and want. And so that's one of those things like when I'm looking to make a deal, it's not a deal that I would make, but it's a deal that would be attractive to other people. I'll just ask, right? Like I'll ask, you know, I had, and I think it's especially true where you don't know, like where you absolutely don't know, like coming off an injury where there's a suspension risk, like, you know, where a quarterback gets hurt for a wide receiver, or tight end, where you literally, the market is moving and you don't know, just ask the person and they might send you an offer or they might tell you what they want. And you might be willing to do that. I've actually had some success doing that. And that actually, that's a faux pas for some people, but I, to me, I think that's, that's something that I've had a lot of success working with. Yeah. And from an etiquette perspective, I mean, you've heard this one, this is the one that I, I all the time, uh, what do you want for this guy? What do you, what do you want for, uh, I don't want to use Patrick Mahomes. Cause that's, you know, at this point, you know, mm-hmm. that's a running joke on your podcast, but mm-hmm. what do you, what do you want for Terry McLaurin? It's like, wait a second, you're coming to me. I had no intention of selling this player. <laughs> And now you mm-hmm. want to make me go do homework? Just make me an actionable offer, and then I could either I could either respond to it, I could delete it, or I could not respond to it. Right? I mean, making me do the homework is ridiculous. I think so. You you must have that must happen to you all the time, right? Like, what do you want for this guy, and how do you handle it? Well, I it's val- like I don't usually tell people what I want, but right. I like to ask because, like, for example, I don't know what you want from Terry McLaurin. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, I, I don't know. And so and it's Terry McCorn's probably not an example of a player I do this with. But right. That's a bad an offer for Terry McCorn. I, I would say, you know. Yeah, All right. If, how about how about this? How about George? What's it called? Um, let's talk about like Traylon Burks. Right. Because yeah. he's going to sure. have people that are, uh, value him and other people that are like, ah, I just I'm totally out. So and yeah, it's still right. a fresh player. Yeah. And so, you know, what I don't think there's any harm in asking someone what they want. You know, it's it's if you go to a car dealership, right? Like if the person's coming in and, and you're selling them a car and you're going to say like, you know, well, here's this beautiful Lamborghini, you know, and sort of giving them a once over on a Lamborghini. Well, they're like, I have five kids and I'm looking for a conversion van, right? Like, uh, I don't know what you want, right? I don't know what you value. So asking, I, I, you know, I, well, here's, I take, yeah, I take, I go back to, you know, in my, in my other life, in my sort of previous doing, uh, you know, my previous full-time job. Now I kind of do this. This is my is my job, and I work a uh, part-time job. But my previous full-time, I was a prosecutor, and so one of the things that I would do is right. You would get you would get a case where I would kind of know how I valued it. I would kind of know, you know, it's a strong case, it's a weak case, whatever. And I would just ask the defense attorney, like, what does your client want? Right? What is the defendant looking to get out of this? Right. And it might be absurd. Right. They might, well, I want it dismissed. Well, that's not going to, you know, that's probably not going to happen. But hey, listen, I'm looking to avoid going to prison. Right. I'm looking to, you know, I'd rather do a jail term than go to go on probation. Right. Like, th- I, that's not what I would choose. But sometimes people want to do that. Right. Like, so I just, I found a lot of success just asking. And then, especially when I don't know, like, I don't really know what I want to do, but Hey, if they tell me kind of what's something, and I think that, you know, that's, that's kind of fair. And it gives me an idea of kind of what they're working with. 
it was always effective for me. So again, maybe I don't just go around, like I don't do it a ton, but where there is a situation where I don't know the answer, I don't think yeah. it's a problem asking. And especially if someone puts on a trade block or if someone has, you know, if, if someone sends me an offer that, that is like, um, you know, that, that it's complicated and I can't tell exactly what they're trying to accomplish. Right. Maybe there's a couple of players on their side. They're selling a couple of players on my side. They're it's like, there's probably a reason that they're making it. Like there's a reason that they're acting in the way that they are. And, you know, if you just ask them back, like, Hey, what are you like? What are you trying to accomplish? Are you trying to sell Christian Watson or are you trying to buy, you know, AJ Brown off my team. What what is it that you're trying to accomplish? And then we can maybe work a deal that accomplishes that, right? Maybe I will pay you what you want for Christian Watson. And maybe it's not in the form that you're asking for, but I'll pay you what you want. Or, you know what I mean? And so I think asking somebody what they want, you know, there's people that get bothered by it. I well, here's I, here's I why because good deals. What you're saying here makes a lot of sense, but you know most players are volume players, right? Like, I have 35 leagues. They come up to me and they say, hey, what do you want for uh, TJ Hawkinson? First of all, I say, you know, my first question back, like, this is how I would frame it. Hey, I'm looking to acquire TJ Hawkinson. I'm not mm-hmm. sure how you value him in the uh, Rotowire League. Mm-hmm. Um, I need, you know, I, I like to give that person all the information. Like I, I'm, I need a tight end. It looks like you might need a running back. Here are a couple of the running backs that I have that I'm willing to part with. Do you think, uh, are you interested in talking about a trade that has, that's what I'm saying. Give me the information so I don't have to like go find the league. Sure. You know, sure. that's what I'm saying is that someone just spent, what do you want for, uh, Mark Andrews? What league, what are we talking about here? It's yeah. just like you're making you're giving me a homework assignment, and half the times right. I just say, uh, I always I always have like the the snapback answer is make me an offer I can't refuse. Yeah, and so you know your your I, I response just, by the way is the better one. I I like what are you trying to accomplish? That's good. Yeah, what are you what are you trying to do? Like, and I always like every roster decision. Like, what why are you doing it? Is is a good is is sort of the reason that I always is one of the things that when people ask me for advice. Right. When people are, you know, we have a we have a group me chat. You know, one of the questions is, is like the first question is, is, what are you trying to do? And the second question is, have you shopped around? Right. And those two things. Right. If you, if you start thinking about them, like, why are you why are you acting? Why are you trying to do this? Right. And so but like I'll, I'll use an example. Saquon Barkley blew out his knee. I, I didn't know how to price that. I didn't know how the market would price that. Um, I didn't know what what to offer that person in this particular league. And so I went and I, and, and actually in a bunch of my leagues, I did this in, Hey, I know Saquon Barkley just got hurt. I'm, you know, whatever I'm team X and in, in league Y, what are you, what are you looking for? And some of them said, you know, I don't want to do this. You know, I don't, I'm not, here's what I'm looking for. It wasn't the price I was willing to pay, but you got the couple of those like, Hey, I'll take a first next year. Okay, I'll give you I'll give you that. That's wouldn't have been what I would offered. I would have actually offered more, right? So I think that 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 is that's nice. You know, one of the goals of of my and I've learned this this year, like this is a thing that I've really found to be to be effective. One of the goals I think for a trade offer isn't necessarily to get it accepted. It is to prompt a offer that an an offer from that GM that you would accept. And the reason for that is, right, if you get an offer um, I had some success with this. I was shopping around for quarterbacks and I offered, uh, I was, I was poking around Justin Herbert 
and Justin Herbert uh, prompted an inbound. I'm sorry, Lamar Jackson. And I sent an offer. The person rejected it and countered. And it was an offer that I would have accepted for Lamar Jackson. Well, at that point, I knew, okay, well, I can accept this offer for Lamar Jackson, or I could spend the next 45 minutes sending offers to everyone up that I value higher than Lamar Jackson, sending the same price that this person just said that they would take for Lamar Jackson. Okay. So I literally just, just sent offers to all those people sort of up the board going, going Herbert going. Um, I think Burrow was on the list, uh, Allen and Mahomes, right? I sent the same offer to all those people and someone accepted it for Josh Allen. So that's, wasn't what I would have probably initially sold. <laughs> that's not the initial offer that I would have done, but I used that valuable market information and just said, listen, I can package this. And this is, you know, and, and this is what it costs for Lamar Jackson. If if everyone else rejects, I'll take the Lamar Jackson deal. But if I get an acceptance on that, like I've done really good. So that's kind of the way that I view it. Anytime I can get inbound information, it allows me to, to make a more optimized uh, decision. And that's, I think, one of our crazy ways to pull off a trade is also is that don't go so fast, right? Get the mm-hmm. information first. Here's the actual piece that Jordan just said. Uh, don't put it don't actually send the trade out just because if someone clicks accept on the, on the baseline trade, then you're bound to that one and then make those trades that you would snap call. I love that one right there. Uh, I think that the, uh, people do trades too quickly a lot in leagues. I'm sure you've seen that as well, because one of the things you see in the chat was I would have given you so much more from that. And then it's followed by Seriously. like, then you should have made the offer. What Seriously. we do in, yeah, in our flagship league, our, our biggest one, our $350 entry league, what we do, it's a home league, but all good players in it. Uh, we have a 24 hour match rule, Jordan. I'm not sure how you feel about this, but we do is, I love it, it. It, yeah, okay. So what happens is a trade goes up on the board is pending, right? You know, sleeper allows the commissioner to punch it through. So it goes up on the board. Let's say, uh, let's, let's say it's Jamar Chase for two firsts and George Pickens. I mean, obviously we know where you fall on that, but that's a, that's a viable trade. That you, <laughs> right. Well, what I'm saying is that we agree that the Jamar Chase side is the easy accept. Right. Right. So other people in the league are going to think that too. So it stays there for 24 hours. Both managers are allowed to negotiate but they can't change their side of the trade. The Jamar Chase guy can't add a second or add a third. He can only negotiate with the other owners that he'll get more for Jamar Chase. And the George Pickens and the two first side can only use that to say, hey, I'll give you Justin Jefferson, you know, Justin Jefferson or whatever you want or a quarterback. Sure. So you right. can't add. And you have 24 hours to counter it. Usually what happens is someone will come in to say with uh, – I'll give you Chris Olave and two firsts or something, you know, whatever it is. And then that trade goes down. The original um, owner gets one chance, like an hour to counter. And then the trade goes on. Basically what this does is it protects studs from being uh, under traded, undervalued trades. Right. I, I like that. You know, I just, I was, I was talking about this just yesterday. I was sending out offers for Mark Andrews and I literally sent an an offer for Mark Andrews that I thought had a pretty good chance of getting excited. Like if you wanted to sort of build out your team a little bit more, uh, it was a premium league. Like there was, there was several pieces to it, but I thought I was paying a hundred percent, maybe even a little bit more for Mark Andrews. Like it was a fair market offer. I I understood if he didn't accept, but I thought it was a fair offer. Um, Person rejected didn't counter. And then they took 20 cents on the dollar for Mark Andrews. And I wanted to just like take my computer and just throw it 
when it happened because I was like, are you kidding me? I Do you remember the specifics? Because that would be helpful. Uh, right? was, Even if it's it not was, exact, like the kind of specific pieces, like it was some, again, it was, it was the exact same thing we just talked. I mean, that was what I was talking about when we were, that was the trade I had in mind. It was some couple of depth wide receivers and like, like right. Luke Musgrave was like the anchor tight end in return. Right. It was and like I, Jahan I was, Dotson. Yes. I think Dotson was in it. I think uh, <laughs> it was in, and by the way, by the way, not only was it for Mark Andrews, it was for Devonte Adams. So I actually offered him a bigger deal for just Mark Andrews, and he took a lesser deal for Mark Andrews and Devontae Adams. And yeah. I was just, I, I was, I had like lost my mind. I was like, yeah. are you like, what, like, what have you done? Like you just, and now you just threw the entire league out of balance, right? Like you right. just, you well, just changed that person's reality by a win and a half over the next year. And you're like, are you like, I would have paid you more than this. I would have given you a better anchor tight end. I would have given you better picks and I would have given you, I think it was a better, maybe one player or something like that. But it was like, it was more for Mark Andrews than he got from Mark Andrews and Devontae Adams. And if he had countered, I probably would have upped the price. Right. So that's one of the things that I like, you have to, especially when someone puts uh, out there that they're that they're moving a player, and then they just reject your deal. Like, what is it that you want for this player? What are you trying to well, accomplish? And I don't know. Like, the idea of selling Travis Kelsey because he's too old is completely foreign to me. Like, I, I that's that is a that's a well, notion a that I just can't wrap my mind around. Right, but it, but it's a reality of dynasty. So sure. that yeah, as long as you understand, like, there's a lot of things. I walk out into the world, I'm like, I can't believe people are doing this, and everyone Correct. does it. But I don't Correct. do it that way. So right, yes, but I don't you, know how to price it. Right, so right. so it's totally foreign to me the idea of like I I'm I'm scared of Travis Kelsey retiring on my roster. Right, I am not, but other people are, and so if you are trying to make an like it. So with that being my mindset, I don't know how to necessarily price what the other person's worried about, right? I don't know how to give them what they want because I don't know, right? I'm in a bad position to judge what they want. And one of the things that I always worry about, like I spend a lot of time doing this. I'm, I'm like, I'm nerdy and maniacal and whatever you want to call about playing dynasty fantasy football. Um, I don't presume to know better than what other people are. Right. Like I, I don't I don't pretend to be I think I think you get in real like you talk about turnoffs, like, you know, being very patriarchal about it. Like, I know better than you. Like, this is what's better for your team. Like, I, I don't know what you want to do. Right. Like, I know what I want to do and I'll, I'll try and help you accomplish what you want to do if it makes it better for me. Right. But I don't I don't like I have a hard time with when people say like, this is better for your team. Like or well, there when go. people That's... come in, and say you need wide receiver. Yeah. I'm like, I absolutely do not. Like, I'm mm. I'm totally fine with what my wide receiving core Dude, is. You and that's, uh, that's tends to be a non-starter. So it's that's the next that, part. Like, that's yeah. the next thing on my tr- on my do do so, nots. Like when someone tries to tell me what I it's like it's a perfect lead-in. Uh, hey, you need these two handcuffs. Like here you go. Like you need Kyron Williams because you have Cam Akers. You need this guy. Definitely don't. <laughs> like <laughs> and so and again, it's not that's not that I wouldn't make a deal, but it's just that's a that's a way that like again, people will my rosters look very different. Right? They look very different. So they will be 
you will look at them and like if there was a dynasty fantasy football content creator convention i would get and i brought my resume of leagues i'd get thrown out of it because i don't look like everybody else does right like i would just i would be the social outcast that's okay because that's i've just i build my teams different i see different things i get hey i try and build up edges in ways that other people don't which is fine but all that said, like my teams tend to look very different. So when people come and say like, you need wide receiver, like how can you be depending on Mike Evans as a wide receiver too in your league? Like pretty successfully is is usually my response. Like I, I feel pretty confident about that actually. And so, you know, but other people don't see it that way. It's too old. You know, he's, he's, you know, he's inconsistent. He's too old. Like those are all things that I don't, I, I don't necessarily go about worrying about. So it becomes a very, uh, it becomes very um, um, uh, that becomes tends to be a non-starter for me. And so that's one of the things that I um, I try not to do to other people because I, I don't like it when it's done to me and I don't pretend to know what people want better than they do. Yeah, no, I, I'm I've been in the uh, the dynasty trading streets and I I'm, do get angry. Uh, when these when these type of things happen, but I don't express it because I also believe you have to keep relationships for the most part. Like when somebody sends you an- another, you know, crazy thing that happens in these dynasty trades, is someone sends you a horrible trade offer, right? Under mm-hmm. the guise where, hey, I'm just opening up negotiations. No, sending me a second round pick for uh, Josh Allen, and I'm using an extreme case, is not mm-hmm. a, a starting point. It's not even worth a counter. So, I guess when I make trades, like even if I'm going to do the, hey, this is just my opening offer, I don't tend to do that. I try to go right for the, hey, this person needs to accept this offer. And maybe I overpay a little bit by doing that. So I think that that's a dynasty tip. Uh, But don't send something that's not even counterable. So what do you do when you get a trade that I'm just trying to think of something that might be, okay, if someone sends you a single first for Justin Jefferson, it's obviously it's not even counterable in my eyes. How would you handle that? Reject it and move on. Right. So there's not even it's not even counterable. Now, if they send no. you like, if it's more complicated, right? Like, so if they just send the the pick for the player, and that's not like I don't think it's close. It's not a deal that I'm looking to do. I just I don't I don't counter it. I think where, and and actually one of my subscribers sort of turned me on to this idea, which was. If you see something in a trade offer that you that interests you, counter it for that. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good way to think about it. So, you know, there's the person sells three pieces for two pieces for years. Something, you know, there's a there's a five player deal, uh, lots of moving pieces, uh, and those deals can be really hard to judge, right? Because if I'm out on right, if if I am out on one of the players on the other side, the values aren't going to work. Right. But it maybe I'm really in on one of the players, but the other two I, I don't care about. Right. Whatever it is. Right. I, I be willing to counter sort of what that person is, because what is that GM saying to you? Like they're saying, A, that I'm in the market for your players. Right. They're probably saying I'm in the market to sell the players that I am selling. And maybe maybe that means that they're willing to sell them below what the market price is, right? Maybe they're trying to, maybe this offer is meant to sell these players, or maybe it's meant to buy the players that you're doing. Explore, definitely explore the the sell price of the players that they're trying to sell to you. But, you know, I mean, but Jordan, what they're, 
what they're usually trying to do is buy your player that's already like I'm up on all the dynasty news just like everyone else is and they're usually trying to buy my player that is now has some buzz cheaper than they're worth like you know with the Antonio with Antonio Gibson now getting some positive buzz they're trying to offer me like you know like a third round pick for Antonio Gibson or like 2.10 on the on the rookie clock they're trying to you know buy Sam Laporta for me right now for Greg Dulcich and they they want me to give them a pick because Dulcich already has some production like things like that where come on dude it's like you know it's this is not this stuff is not going to work so for example before Daniel Jones when Daniel Jones was hot last year you know he had one or two games so there were some fantasy managers trying to get them off the roster oh this is my opportunity to sell I just offered Najee Harris the guy needed a running back it was obvious he was trying to get rid of Daniel Jones Mm -hmm. we made that one for one I think I even got like a pick with it like a second in a super flex league I mean, today, I would value Daniel Jones and Superflex higher than Najee, but not everybody still would do that, which kind of right. um, brings me. So basically, my point is, is I'm willing to pay the market price now because even if that market price seems like an overpay, it, and I don't believe it will be in six months from now. So I think right. that's how trades get done and they get done quickly. Uh, yeah. In a startup I'm in right now, Jordan, I'm, I'm curious to your opinion on player specific with Daniel Jones because... Uh, the the Superflex startup I'm in right now, uh, it Tua goes in the end of round two. I would uh, Daniel Jones. I took him at pick four point eight, which I thought was a screaming value. I didn't even need a quarterback in the fourth round, and I took him there. And the league was cheering for the Tua pick in round two, and they were saying reach for me on pick four point eight. So I just needed to talk to someone with a sober opinion here. Uh, on those two players specific, and then we can get back into some of our trading discussions. So, Superflex startup context, start with Tua. Where do you think he should be valued? Uh, because obviously on talent and early season production, it was awesome, but he, he's one hit away from basically retiring. Yeah, that's that's a concern um, for sure. I, I wonder if last year was kind of at the, the ceiling of what he's capable of, right? I think he was probably living good uh, in terms of, you know, on some positive variants, right. You look, you know, one of the, one of the things that I do is I, I look at a lot of, um, I use PFFs data to kind of give me an idea about how an, a player actually performed beyond just the box score. So, you know, they have some metrics that'll kind of give you some of that stuff, right? Like they have their, their grade, but you can also look at other stuff like big time throws and turnover worthy plays, which I find to be pretty interesting, right? His, his numbers are pretty neutral, which indicates to me really not a star, right? So I think that that system, and we've consistently seen that out of the Shanahan system, right? Which is what Mike McDaniel came from uh, in uh, San Francisco. Now he's the head coach of Miami, right? So we've seen that like, hey, the person can jack up eight, eight and a half yards, you know, between eight and a half and nine yards per attempt. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is one of the active uh, leaders in career yards per attempt and has consistently done so while, while throwing more uh, turnover plays than big time throws, right? Which is what Tua did last year. So it doesn't require a ton from you um, is, is kind of the point. So I, like, I think Tua is in a really good situation. I don't know if he's like that great of a quarterback. Um, yeah. On the flip side, like, I don't think Daniel Jones is that great of a quarterback either, right? Like you look at last year, he had seven big time throws and 19 turnover worthy plays, right? So he's basically, he's essentially just like, it's the system and he's just kind of not doing much beyond that. That speaks to me. He's not making, 
um, really hard throws that sort of changed the the outlook of the offense, right? So um, I thought they overpaid for him. Um, I wouldn't have re-signed him the way that they did. I would have I would have tagged him and let uh, you know Barkley test the market before I would have locked in like paying Daniel Jones forty million dollars a year and you know Jordan Barkley. Yeah. All all of that is true, but sure. let's talk about the realities of dynasty fantasy football. Daniel Jones is locked in for two years with that contract. He is starting the next, you know, two seasons worth of games, uh, you know, unless he has a Zach Wilson-like meltdown and Tyrod Taylor is the answer for them. I mean, he is locked in. And it's probably three years, but it's too guaranteed. And what we saw with Brian Dable, this is why I'm valuing Daniel Jones higher than the market. And it's so great to hear you talk about this because everyone thinks Daniel Jones was overpaid. He probably was. But... Mm -hmm. You know, look what Dable did with Josh Allen with just as far as improving him. I'm not saying Daniel Jones is going to be that level. He's not. But just look at where he was to where he got him. Let's say it, you know, bring that down to where Daniel Jones's ceiling is, is I think it's reasonable to expect Daniel Jones is a, a ceiling as a top 12 quarterback with some QB5 overall upside there, right? Just because of the rushing uh, and because of, like you said, the system. So just for fi fantasy football, if there, if, if, if startups are going to let him fall to the fourth round, there's no reason to take a second quarterback unless, you know, you do the thing where you trade up for a second elite. And with Tua, I, you know, it's obvious he's being dragged to his fantasy football success because of, of the two wide receivers that he has. So his value is there. But one more, let's say in, in week two, he has a concussion. This is not a, a one or two week injury. This is going to be an eight week injury at minimum. And he already heard in the off season, he was thinking about retiring. So, I agree that Tua's fantasy football value is great, but the risk in the second round of startups is just too much for me to stomach. Yeah, I think you're better off trading up, right? I mean, I think you're better off. I think you're better off trading up than taking two. Like, I would rather add to Tua to get an actual solution. Is kind of my. It's kind of would be what my play would be. Um, you know, and but you also look at Daniel Jones. Like, I I don't know how much of a solution he is, right? I mean, you look at the active quarterbacks that qualify. Uh, in terms of yards per attempt, uh, here are the guys that Daniel Jones is higher than. Ready for this? Sam Darnold. He's actually tied with Sam Darnold at 6.7. Chad Henney at 6.6. Jacoby Brissett at 6.6. .6, and Blaine Gabbard at 6.1. Okay. Uh, let's, let's, I, I, color me skeptical that he's going to have a big breakout. Right, color me skeptical that he's going to have a big breakout. Um, that doesn't mean he can't be fantasy viable, but this is a quarterback who hasn't had the last time he threw for 20, he threw for more than 15 touchdowns was in 2019, right? He has not thrown for more than 15 touchdowns uh, in the last three years. His, his career best season this past year was 6.8 yards per attempt with 15 passing touchdowns, 15. That's less than one a game. Okay. So, I like, I think if you're depending on, like, I think if you're depending on Tua or Daniel Jones, your quarterback too, you're, you're, um, you, you can look at your court, you can look at your positions three ways, right? Can you win because of them? Can you win with them? Or are you going to have to win in spite of them? And I think it, long term, if Daniel Jones is your quarterback too, you're going to have to win in spite of your quarterback position, super flex, right? I think that's, I think that's where he's at. You know, Tua, I think he's got a little bit higher ceiling, um, but again, all those problems are present. And I, I get why you'd be skeptical of him in the second round. I am. 
one of my favorite fantasy football strategies, Jordan, especially you know with trading, is that look at the the players that finished the year strong, where it wasn't just some sort of anomaly, like where you could point to like, oh, this is what happened. And with Daniel Jones finally catching, and I, I, this will be the final point. We can move on to some other trading strategies. But from week ten to eighteen, Jordan, and again, all those things that you talked about, those things is why we agree that he is not a great quarterback. But the man scores fantasy points. He's got the legs. From week 10 on, when the money was on the table, this guy was quarterback five in fantasy football, Daniel Jones. Quarterback five, the top, you know, the fifth quarterback. Once things got going and he got integrated into the system, you got I got to think in year two that the upside's there because we've already seen it. It's not theoretical upside. This isn't George Pickens' upside, Jordan. This is actual fantasy football things that have actually happened. And the market agrees with you. I'm on an island here. Mm -hmm. I was going to take Daniel Jones in the second round. I was like, yeah, my friend said, you do not need to do that. And then he was there at Mm 4-8. I traded up for him to get him because I couldn't couldn't take it anymore. He's he's definitely my flag plant, not because he's good, because he's going to score you a lot of fantasy points. So uh, to be continued, Uh, it's an interesting discussion. Uh, Before we do that, Jordan, I want to take a quick break. For the, uh, for the YouTube audience, I just want to tell you about an awesome promotion we have going on right now with Circa Las Vegas. Uh, Circa Sports, Jordan, is where the Rotowire uh, Vegas trip was. I know you guys went on one with football guys. We're doing ours at Circa Las Vegas. And right now they're running the ultimate fantasy football draft contest at Las Vegas Circa Resort and Casino. And they want to bring your whole league there for the ultimate draft experience. There, the, you can bring your whole 12-person league for a two-night stay at Circa, and you have your draft at a Cabana Stadium swim-up, plus limo transportation to and from the airport, a welcome party at their Legacy Club, a booth at the world's largest sports book, and more, a package over $8,000, Jordan. There's no better way to draft than Circa, 21 and up. Go to Circa Las Vegas for more information. So, even I can't enter, so I've been telling all my league mates to enter. Every league I'm in, I'm in 30 dynasty leagues, 40. Go and enter this contest. Imagine going to Vegas and doing your draft, your rookie draft, do a redraft, whatever it is. That sounds like an amazing experience. So go to Circle Las Vegas. Uh, go to the website. You can get uh, get in on that. All right. Uh, right now, well, I'm just looking at something in the chat real quick. It says, how do you deal with non-responsive managers? So we're talking about... Uh, trades. I'm here with Jordan McNamara of the Dynasty Think Tank. If you are listening to this podcast right now, I am telling you, the Dynasty Think Tank, Jordan's new podcast, is appointment listening. Go to it. I listen to it every week. Uh, so go check that out. And also, Jordan, uh, his own proprietary site, Analytics of Dynasty. It is a premium site, but worth the, uh, the price of admission. Go check that out as well. All right. We have another trade question here. Uh, and we're talking not talking about specific players, non-responsive managers, anything that can be done. Uh, you know that I, I know the old they pay their dues, they could do what they want. But how do you deal with people, Jordan, that just leave the trade up there? Uh, is there anything you could do? Take their money. <laughs> I mean, just I mean that's that's you know it's tough when people aren't responsive, but you know, and that's why. Yeah, it's it's honestly it's one of the reasons why I went from playing one league to two leagues to five to fifteen to thirty, right? Because if I want to make a offer for Mark Andrews, right? If I want to trade for Mark Andrews and I'm in one league and the person is out of commission from January, you know, third to you know, August twentieth, 
it's tough. But if I'm in a lot of leagues, right, I can I can make more deals, and I'm not sort of beholden to that person's idiosyncratic idiosyncratic nature. So um, that's kind of the way that I look at it, you know. And then you know, ultimately trying to beat people, and I think you know the person that is stagnant and not paying attention to their team is probably you know leaking their their buy-in fee, right? They're probably not. Um, no, it doesn't mean you can't be, but it, it, they're probably not as competitive as they as they should be. They're probably a below average GM, which means you have a higher chance to win your league because of them. Yeah, uh, I don't think there's anything you could do other than just maybe privately DM them, say hey, you know, just create like a dialogue going. But if they're totally just you know, not answering yep. the phone. That's just what it is. And, uh, you know, our, our guy Frank in the chat asked that, and I always tell him he needs to get more leagues. So your response and confirming that is great. Uh, yep. You can't just, if you're just in one dynasty league, two dynasty leagues, you have a very different view than if you're doing the whole portfolio method. All right. A couple more things that we're going to talk about here with, uh, with trading. Uh, okay. What do you think? I get this is more of a general question that someone had, but it's not just with trading. But what do you think the people that consistently make the playoffs, that consistently are in the final championship game? Um, obviously, there's a lot of variance in fantasy football, but what are one or two of the key things that make successful dynasty managers? Uh, proper roster construction, right? Understanding, uh, understanding your format, understanding uh, edges in your format. You know, um, I, I think that you should listen to people that are consistently, um, you know, if, if you're going to take advice, right, make sure the person's good at the advice they're giving. Um, I, you know, I jokingly say that we need a dynasty accountability project, like a dynasty spotlight project, because you know, I think a lot of people, one of the things that I see people do will give advice that'll say, you know, well, you need to rebuild or you need to, you need to do things that I think are, I'm heading in, away from winning a championship and you know my like you're giving that advice right that's you know some free advice is worth how much it's how much you pay for it a lot of times but um you know what is that person actually successful are they successful right is this the idea of going out in the wilderness for three years to rebuild right is that actually a profitable strategy and you know i have found that it's not especially in super flex formats. I think it's a bad, um, it's typical, you know, anytime you're sort of punting competitive, I mean, just look at last year. I mean, just look at last year. You look at the teams that got in the playoffs last year. Again, I try and get all of my teams in, right? Until I'm out, let's get them all in, right? Because there's a lot of crazy stuff. You talked about the variance that happens, right? Being available and in the playoffs last year meant a couple of things. It meant number one seeds that had Jalen Hurts didn't have him, okay? Uh, it meant that teams that were dependent on Jonathan Taylor did not have him. It meant that teams that were dependent on Derrick Henry had him sit in a championship week. And it means that teams that struggled through the year had George Kittle and Mike Evans slaughtered people in the playoffs. Just crushed you could, people. Evan you could have had both of those guys on one team. You know, 100%. I remember you, and, and you had a six seed and been a six seed and, and, right. and just fell into the playoffs and won. Right. I, I haven't done that yet because I have to get past sort of the rookie draft stuff, but I have to go back and study because I'm I am convinced that the last year's championship had like the lowest uh, seating because of guys like that. Right. And never forget, like there's a chance in a one week sample because that's really what the playoffs is. Right. And I don't you know, people say, oh, I'm a huge underdog. I don't in a one week. You're really not. 
I think in a one week, it's a lot closer to 60, 40, 55, 50, 55. I was going to say 55, 45. And again, if it's huge, if it's huge, it's 60, 40. And you don't realize how much that 60, 40 is. If if the casino had a 60% edge over you at any table game, you would, it it would, you know, you would never play. I mean, it would just, you would never play. The fact that a casino has like a 51.2 edge over you, like you're losing. Right. <laughs> you know, like right. That's a... But in a in a one off sample, right, right, you're looking to try and, you know, if you get in and you're playing against six teams, right, your odds of winning are much better than they were to start the season. So, um, again, you take I'll take, coin, you know, it, you put a bunch of, if I can get 75, 80 percent of my teams in the playoffs, um, you know, what I'm really I, the, the big advantage is getting a buy. Right, so building teams that get a buy because you have to play one less game. That's that's what really changes the odds for you, and you're better, right? So that's that's you know two things. But but get, I think that teams should get in the playoffs, right? I never give up on getting into the playoffs until I can't get in, and then right. at that point I'll retool. Right. Uh, but I think people kick it too far down the line of not contending, right? Like yeah, right and, now in a startup, all too, my people teams do- are in. People right. do that in startups. I'm in a startup right now. We're in round 13. It's a it's a significant buy-in. It's like a $250 buy-in. Right. And there's people that, you know, so uh, somebody took Kyler Murray in round two, and they said, oh, I'm just playing for next year. In round two, they've already conceded right. that they're playing for next year. I right. don't get that. And a $250 buy-in, that you, you, you're, I, you've said this before, and I think I may have exaggerated what you said, but in any given year, you're basically not playing against 11 other people. You're playing against eight at most and probably yeah. seven by week right. four, you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I, I think that there's and, – and you do that you poll on this, right? Like you do some Twitter – like I love the Twitter poll because it gives me an idea of, again – things that I wouldn't do or that I wouldn't believe will tell me how much of the people that I'm playing against do believe that. And a lot of times it's like a third of, of teams will take the the kind of non-contending answer to the question, right? It's in a different, a bunch of different forms, but generally when it's like, you know, contend or, you know, kick picks wait on the line or, or not, it's whether it's a contend or not contend sort of philosophical question, right? The answers are, are you answer based on how your philosophy on that is. Um, it's about a third of people will say not content. So in an 18 league, a third of people is four of them. And so you're really playing in a 12 team league you might be competing with eight or nine, you know, seven or eight other people to get into the playoffs, right? If you're one of 12, I mean, already, right. Your odds of winning a league just sort of randomly in a 12 team league every year is 8.3%, right? If you're, if you're only playing against eight people that jumps to 12 and a half. Right. So that's, that's already, that's a, that's a almost a 50% improval of your odds just by being in it, right. Just by willingness to contend. And again, I think that's profitable over the long term. Yeah. We're just going to take a quick break right now. YouTube audience, stay with us for the audio audience. We're going to be right back right after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. Quick reset here. I'm Alan Soslowski of rotowire.com. You can follow me at Alan Soslowski. I'm here with Jordan McNamara, new favorite of the Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast on Rotowire, who uh, keeps uh, being generous with his time and coming back. You follow him at McNamara Dynasty. Jordan has a new pod. He's not here for his health. He, he loves talking to everybody, but he's here to promote his new podcast, Dynasty Think Tank. You should go uh, look that up right now and subscribe to it as I do. Uh, his, he uh, partners with Chad, uh, Chad Parsons on that. It's a great listen every week if you love Dynasty strategy and talk. And also, Jordan is the owner and proprietor of Analytics of Dynasty. If you are a serious dynasty player and want really like even a chess level thinking on this stuff uh there's no better information out there in my judgment than the analytics of dynasty so you go there check it out uh jordan has his own discord and his own uh, you know his book and everything so i highly recommend you go check out analytics of dynasty uh jordan we're talking about few tricks of trades. Oh, by the way, everyone, you can get a free sample of Rotowire right now. We're giving away two days uh, for free. I should tell people that as well. Just go to rotowire.com forward slash pod, P-O-D. Put in your email and the paywall unlocks for two days. There's nothing to cancel, no credit card to put in. It's just two days you go to peek around. Uh, Jordan, we were talking about trading. And by the way, if you've gotten a good tip from this uh, video, and you consider hitting that like button for us. If you thought that you've gotten a good tip, I thought Jordan's had a bunch of good tips, these crazy tips uh, to help with trading. And as we finish up here, Jordan, you mentioned Christian Watson earlier. And I see, I've seen him value different. That's why I love Dynasty Fantasy Football, Jordan, is we look at the same players and we value them completely different. Whereas in redraft and ADP forms, right? I mean, you know, everyone's going to value Cooper Cup as a first round 
round pick in redraft. But in dynasty, some people are still going to have him as a top 10 wide receiver, top five. And other people are going to have him around wide receiver 17. So I want to talk about Christian Watson because to me, I'm not, and I saw you put up a poll about him, and I'm not certain why we're giving Chris, we're not giving him the Chris, Christian Watson, the Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson treatment. He broke out just as much as they did, you know? I mean, it, but I mean, he was wide receiver nine over the final 10, uh, 10 weeks, Jordan, of the season. Uh, sorry, when he was inserted into the, the starting lineup, Christian Watson, he was the wide receiver nine. And so why is he getting the he you go over here in round five and six, and these other guys are start, uh, round one startup picks? I think a couple of things. Um, number one, draft pedigree. Uh, they went in the fir- you know, Alave Wilson in London went in the first round. Didn't he go in the won. first pick of the second round? Yep. There Watson? is a difference. There's a difference. Okay. So that's that's one thing I, I would sort of say to that. I think that Christian Watson went as high as he could. I think it was the second pick. I think it was like 34, 35, something like that. It was the T Higgins went as high as he, Yeah. I think he went as high as he possibly could go because I don't think if you look at the history of NFL teams drafting non-power five wide receivers, there's been like three of them this century. Like it just does not happen. So um, like he came from North Dakota state. That's just not something that is going to happen that often. So I think like he basically went as, and again, if you redrafted him, he would have been, I think he would have been the top wide receiver in this draft class, given what you knew about him. Um, so to date. So um, I think that's one thing. Number two, I think the sample size is smaller, right? He didn't run as many routes as, as a bunch of these other guys. He ran 270 routes again, very productive. Uh, the second most yards per route run of the rookie class last year behind only Chris Olave uh, was actually Christian Watson. But again, Olave did it on 430 routes, 419 for Drake London, 270 for Watson. So there is a smaller sample size there. I think that's true. Uh, I think there's some skepticism about Jordan Love, um, which, again, I kind of go back to the I think Amon Ross St. Brown is something that we probably should learn from when wide receivers do elite things. Believe them. Like this is the old adage of like when, you know, when your parents would tell you, when someone tells you who they are, believe them, right? Usually it's in a bad context, but when wide receivers do elite things, actual elite things, believe them. Because I think that they um, tend to, to perform, uh, that, that that confirms that they're very good, right? It's hard to be very, very, it's hard to be elite. And when, when wide receivers show you they're elite for a, for a half a stretch of a season, that's that's telling you a lot, right? It isn't a game. It's not two games. This isn't a Travis Fulgham situation. This is actual elite, high-end, efficient performance for Christian Watson. Um, so, and he's a freak athlete, by the way, right? So you have all of those things. Again, I think the – but if you go back and look at it, like he did that in an Aaron Rodgers offense that wasn't like Aaron Rodgers was that great last year. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could – like this – I don't necessarily think this is what's going to happen, but if you if he had a Matt Ryan type performance with the Jets and, and fell completely off, it wouldn't have been out of nowhere, right? Like that's kind of how it begins to look. Are uh, you saying this year like, Aaron Rodgers yeah. had the the cliff season, right? Okay. Yep. If this was a yeah. cliff season for him, like it would look a little bit like the way that Roth. I don't think that's what's going to happen, but if it did, that would look like the way kind of Roethlisberger and, and Matt Ryan have kind of fallen off, right? That's kind of how it hit trajects. Um, you know, and so you put Jordan Love in there again. Is he Aaron Rodgers? I don't think he is, but is he 
is he awful? I mean, Alvin Ross St. Brown's been an elite player with Jared Goff as a quarterback. Now, again, I'm a Jared Goff fan, but I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback in the league. Yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of his, but I don't, he's not elite. Right. And so if you have competent quarterback play and you're an elite wide receiver, you can absolutely do elite things that I view Christian Watson. And you're not penalized if you, if you're wrong, because you're paying, you know, wide receiver 20 prices, right? Like the, right. the guys that are going from 20 to 35, like there's some real dubious profiles in that range. Like take the guy that's actually shown you elite performance. I I think there's a chance that he's a top five wide receiver this time next year. Yeah. And I think that's how good Christian Watson is. That's where I am. And, and by Maybe. the way, yes. And, and football is a small sample size sport, but in the very small sample of one with <laughs> Jordan love last year, he caught four of six targets for 110 yards at a touchdown. Now, again, Take what you want from that. It's a sample of one, but at least he did it with the, when they played right. together. It's better than if he didn't do it, right? So it's just right. another data point on the Christian Watson is undervalued arguments, right? Well, because we're in a dynasty startup, and you know there's some crazy things that happen in dynasty startups, and I really struggled. I was on the clock and needed my second wide receiver, right? It's just, I had some quarterbacks, and I was in that fourth round range, and I was deciding between Christian Watson and Cooper Cup. Now, obviously, Cooper Cup is, you know, age 30, coming off the injury. It, it's, you know, I took Christian Watson. I don't think they're that far off in the dynasty rankings. And I expect to get outproduced for the next two years. But given that I was looking for an upside punch and I ha think, believe this league has staying power. You know, I got some cross-eyed looks in that one. Again, people th must think I'm a donkey in that league, but I I'm I'm good with the pick. I'm not comfortable with the pick because obviously I'm passing on Cooper Cup. But do you see the case there? Is Christian? I'm. I'll ask you straight up. Would you have made that pick in the fourth round of a superflex league, or would you have just taken Cooper Cup? Well, I think it's the right question, right? So, like, what I think is interesting is like you go to you know you go to some rankings like keep trade cuts a place I go and look at and like. Cooper Cup's ahead of Watson, but I think that it's the right you take one of those two bets. What I don't think you take in that range is you don't take Pittman, you don't take Judy, right. um, you don't take DJ Moore, right? You take the guy that has either elite ceiling into the future, like Christian Watson does, or that has elite profile right now, elite production profile right now, like Cooper Cup does. You do not take the you just insulated the those, wide receiver yeah. two guy. I, I think yeah. that's the wrong bet. You don't take the Michael Pittman's. You don't take, you don't take that, right? You so you either go one or the other, right? So I don't. Again, I, I my advice to you would be go either in on the productive guy now or go on the guy that you think has the elite ceiling. Do one of the two, whichever one you choose is fine by me. What I wouldn't right. do is play safe in that range because I don't think a guy like Pittman's really all that safe. Yeah. Okay. So you. Yeah, it's, not I, it's totally defensible, you, right? I probably right. would have taken Cup, but I I don't have a problem with taking Christian Watson at yeah. that spot. And again, like, and there's arguments on both sides. My work, my concern is in a, in a, a serious buy-in league that you don't it, that I believe the league has staying power. Is what happens if Sean McVay retires or leaves the team next year? That because look at what Cooper Cup was before McVay got there. He was good. But he was like wide receiver 14, 17. You know, he wasn't wide receiver one. Wasn't wide receiver two. So, yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, you always say a year of elite production is worth more than three of just hoping it'll get there. So, right. but, uh, yeah. but making that bet, you, you think if I'm going to gamble, I at least made uh, 
a bet worth taking with that one. Yes. Yeah, I wouldn't okay. take that 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 sort of mid career like the, those pit DJ Moore profiles. The DJ Moore, they don't have elite ceiling, and what you're what you're investing in is basically kind of stability, which is very replaceable at the receiver position if you're willing to sort of look at your roster differently. So I'm I would lean into either extreme. You know, I want to sort of get the biggest punch I can get right now, or the the biggest. Again, I don't even think that. Like I think taking Jordan Addison over Christian Watson is like, I think that's a a, a complete mistake. Um, yeah, because Flowers, all those guys, Quentin Johnson, you know, no way. T- take the guy that has proven that he can play in the NFL, right? And just and like that, that's very valuable. And when you look at, at elite production, you know, two hundred plus routes in a rookie season gives you a real indication of how good a player is going to be. Okay, so if you just look at these yards per route run, like Christian Watson has every indicator that he is capable of an elite high end. Again, if he was of the guys in the range, I think he's the most likely one to be in the top five of dynasty wide receivers next year. Right. Like you outlined the reasons why that he separated from Olave and Wilson. But what I'm saying is just from observational standpoint, like this time next year, it wouldn't shock you at all if we're talking about those guys as a tier. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I wouldn't in a London belongs in there as well. Like I think all of those guys, like I actually think Garrett Wilson's probably the most, he's the, probably the highest price right now. Um, he didn't have that elite stuff. He was very good, but he was very good on like really high volume, which none of those other guys were. Um, so his counting numbers look a lot better than the other guys did, but it was just because he ran a lot of routes and they threw the ball. They threw the ball. A lot, and right? the quarterback situation was so bad that even a C minus at quarterback, a Derek Carr would have been great. Now people perceive Aaron Rodgers as a B plus upgrade or more. So they're just adding, Hey, it's like an MMA when this guy beats this guy and this guy beat this guy already. So this guy must be able to beat this guy. Like that's the, the, the math, the counting math that people do. Totally. By the way, isn't it like, I think it's interesting that people are just sort of pencil, you know, are, are, super convinced that uh, Garrett Wilson's going to benefit from Aaron Rodgers. I'm glad you said that because I think that this, the more of my my guys that come in, Aaron Rodgers guys, that's another target going. Now, Garrett Wilson's going to be fine, man. He's going to be fine, but he may not be 160 targets. He might be 135. Yeah, right. 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 And that's right. And, and like, do you trust Aaron Rodgers to do anything? Like, is there, like, do you trust being able to predict what Aaron Rodgers is going to do? Because if you are, like, I would love your level of confidence because I am not. <laughs> like, I don't, I, like, outside of throwing to Devontae Adams, like, uh, on 35% of his routes, like, I don't trust him to, to, he's finicky, man. Like, I don't yep. trust him to love Garrett Wilson right away. Even if that's the rational, reasonable thing that you would think he would do, I don't trust that. So, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. I, you know, and and by the way, all of those guys produced really well with quarterbacks that weren't very good, right? Like it wasn't like Alave was with, you know, with prime Drew Brees or Drake London was with prime Matt Ryan. Like none of those quarterbacks were good. So, um, yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I think it's yeah. I think it's interesting. Like I think a lot of those guys have ceiling, and I might be the lowest. I think in terms of price, Wilson would be the last bet that I would make. 
One more piece of promotion, guys, is that Jordan's going to be with me uh, on SiriusXM during uh, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, we'll push out the schedule, but we're going to be talking Dynasty on the Dynasty Hour, which is SiriusXM show. Uh, it'll be on the On Demand as well. So if you have SiriusXM, you could search the Dynasty Hour. There's already a couple episodes up there. If you love some Dynasty talk, we put up some episodes over the car- course of the outseason. We're going to be doing some new episodes uh, this weekend. So if you're riding around in your car and you have SiriusXM Channel 87, the Fantasy Sports Channel, listen, Jordan and I will be on there. We'll post times. Uh, Jordan, appreciate it, man. Uh, everyone knows to go follow you. I've already seen some people subscribing over at Dynasty Think Tank and checking out the analytics of Dynasty. You could follow me at Alan Zislowski. Jordan's at McNamara Dynasty. All right, everybody, we'll see you next week. And also, in the comments, post some of the trade tactics that you think are good and bad. This way, everyone watching the video on replay can know the do's and don'ts. We hope this is helpful. We'll see you next week. The sun goes down on my side of town. That lonesome feeling comes to 